0: Hello and welcome to the Back to Work Connect podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, CEO of Back to Work Connect, an education and employment career hub designed to get returners and career changers back to work. In each episode, we will discuss topics that are important to you, including financial well-being, mental health, and the supports available to help you get back to work. In this episode, we are joined by Neve DeBerta, founder and CEO of Sprout Plans, to discuss financial education and financial resilience. You're very welcome, Neve. Thanks, Gina. So today we're going to discuss financial education and financial resilience, Neve. So let's start with the education piece. You know, we've heard this many times, people say, God, I wish I learned this at school. So where can people go to educate themselves about their personal finances and their cash flow and budgets and the whole lot?
1: Gina, you're so right. It was only when I started my own first job that I became interested in financial management myself and how to, you know, the understanding of efficiently managing your finances that you could do more with the same resources. Like I've seen people earning half a million a year who don't have a washer in their pocket. And then you see other people who might be earning 50,000 euros a year and they have prudently managed their finances in such a way that they'll actually be able to retire early. So like with everything in life, it's never too late to learn and more importantly, to actually implement great financial decisions. I think that, you know, thanks to the new digital world, you can actually start your learnings via the internet. We need to try carefully, though, with the information that we consume. You know, seek to read information from qualified people. The internet is full of experts across all areas. Um, and I'm sure our listeners today have come across some so-called experts in their own areas and said, you know, maybe they might be talking a little bit So, you know... The same, too, applies to financial education. And it's important, you know, just to make sure that you're listening to people who know what they're talking about. But the learning journey, you know, it might be daunting at first, but if you stick with it, it's inspiring, it's empowering and it's rewarding
0: because you put into practice some of the great skills that you learn. As you said, you know, there's so much information online and advice that you see from influencers and stuff. So how do you know that they're actually qualified to give you you know, appropriate financial advice?
1: Well, in Ireland, the, the qualified financial advisor or the QFA is the primary recognized qualification for those who provide complete financial advice. There's other qualifications such as those held by stockbrokers or tax advisors, and they're get, qualified to give advice in their own specific areas. And then at another level, if an advisor holds the qualification of certified financial planner, their qualifications are, are over and above those of the QFA. So it kind of means that they're more forensic um, and complete in their approach of providing financial advice. A third check would be to see if the advisor is actually regulated themselves with the central bank or works with a firm who's regulated through the central bank. This is key as the approval brings with it very important consumer protections. So firstly, the advisor, they'd have to adhere to the strict consumer protection codes as set out by the bank. The central bank also sets strict rules with regards to consumer complaints and the process of raising a complaint with the financial services ombudsman. Also, very importantly, qualified financial advisors have their own professional indemnity insurance in place and they are also members of the compensation scheme. So this means that, you know, should you have, should you take on board their advice and it's inaccurate and you lose out through bad advice that they haven't documented correctly, you have recourse um, to, you know, to, to seek compensation. And I'd also have a look at the level of experience of the person who is providing the financial advice. You know, fresh out of college, this isn't a blanket case. But, you know, are they experienced in the advice that they provide or are they talking about areas that they, they are not experienced in?
0: So let's look at the, you know, back to basics. What are the basic education tips you can give us today to start with, you know, financial education?
1: Well, the fundamental piece of advice that should be all drilled into us from a young age, probably primary school age, is to spend less than you earn. And we don't. We don't get that advice. And, um, as I said earlier, you know that's why those earning fifty thousand a year can' afford to retire early while those who are earning half a million a year might necessarily be able to retire. So you know, if we get used to holidays in the Bahamas that we can't afford, and a lifestyle that we can't afford well then it's you know it's it spirals out of control so you know it's all well and good to say spend less than you earn but before we can even do that you need to sit down and evaluate what exactly does our minimum desired standard of living look like you know what is important to us in our lives if we do have a passion for travel it's okay to spend money on holidays but then it should be worked into our plan um, in a financially sustainable way, kind of planning ahead. So we don't want to get to a cliff edge that, you know, we work our lives, we go on holidays all the time and then we get to retirement and we've no pension pot to pay for our, you know, our lifestyle that we've become a used to. And all of a sudden, instead of holidaying in the Bahamas, we stick a tent up in the back garden. So, you know, it's, it's about creating a sustainable standard of living.
0: So it makes perfect sense to me, you know, spend less than yearn. I mean, it makes perfect sense. So let's talk about the resilience piece. So let's say we spend less than we earn. How can we build up our resilience to ride out like, you know, financial shocks, you know, such as job loss or ill health and, you know, the rising cost of living, you know, the ESB bills and the gas bills that are coming in at the moment? Yeah, I mean, the the
1: first thing to do and, you know, if you start good practices, if you're fortunate to be young and start good practices from a young age, you know, once you've built up, you know, some cash reserves, then you have those cash reserves and you're in a better place going forward. But, you know, first of all, we should think about a minimum amount of three to six months of household expenses, including things like mortgages being held in an emergency fund. So that will take the pressure off the day to day stresses and strains. So, you know, you can pay your bills. It's not for spending and maintain a standard of living. And, and, you know, obviously you're going to see the cost of living going up. You know, we're not all going to go out for dinner every weekend or get takeouts all the time. So you have to be be careful with it. But just to have those cash reserves is important. Life insurance is a key thing income protection is key if you're unable to work because of ill health you know could be your back could be your mental health Uh, income protection is really important and a lot of people think it costs a lot you don't need to buy the all singing all dancing something is better than nothing this series illness cover life cover specific to your own um situation and affordability as well you know it has to be weighed up the risk has to be weighed up So you shouldn't cripple yourself financially by putting life cover in place. But if you don't put life cover in place, you most likely will cripple yourself financially. Plan ahead is a third point that I would stress. You know, it's easy to look at our bank accounts today and say, I have 5,000 euros in my bank account. I am going to go and pay for that holiday. But we have to think about the mortgage going out or the rent going out. It's easy to make a financial decision today based on what's in a bank account, but it's it's plan ahead. Always look ahead. So set yourself goals. I want to go on holidays to the Bahamas in two years time. So set myself a goal. You know, you see clever people using um, vaults and savings plans to accumulate that money away from the day to day living. But it means then that when I go to the Bahamas, I've already paid for it. I'm not putting myself in debt. I'm not taking out loans or putting it on the credit card. And I can really enjoy that holiday. This is the dream now to create and build passive income. So this is income that you earn whether you're working or not. So passive income might be dividends off shares. It might be rental income, even though there is a bit of work if you you are renting out um, a property. There's interest on deposit t- accounts from time to time, uh, coupons from bonds. So if you can build up income earning assets over time, and it you don't need a quarter of a million to buy a property, you can you can build it up through shares and bonds, and just keep building it and building it and building it. And what happens then is these shares pay you, you know, it could be 4% a year income, and then you reinvest that. But the piece about it is, is you haven't had to get up out of bed to make that money you know you'd regularly see those who are more financially secure and resilient having this diverse income stream incomes coming from different sources and incomes coming in when they're not earning and then you know it it is important where possible to minimize our borrowing so I talked there about my holidays in the Bahamas you know we love the idea that I'm going to go out and I'm I've had a bad day and I'm going to go buy myself a holiday and really looking forward to it. And I'll just take out a loan to pay for it. But, you know, it's, it's like a diet. It's very easy to to put the weight on, but it's a killer to get rid of it. And that's that's what I would say alone is like, you know, it's great to be able to spend it on day one and it spends very quickly. But getting rid of it, it hangs over you all the time. And, you know, like a loan will cost you 10% interest. If it's on a credit card, it could be 16, 17, 18% interest. That's lost money through not planning ahead. So, you know, there but there will be times when the car breaks down and you need to borrow money to, to fix it. You know, there will be those situations in life. But where possible, try it out, certainly on personal borrowings that you're taking out for wasting assets, such as cars or holidays. Try and minimize your borrowings. And then your spending habits. Um, You know, it it is important to understand your spending habits. You know, have a look at your discretionary spends. Are they nice to haves or need to haves? You know, we think of, okay, I'm going to buy myself a car. Do I really need to have the all singing, all dancing car? Because let's face it, I will probably, after about a month, somebody will bang into it in a car park and it'll be damaged. You know, so... Where is the value? Make sure that you that you place value in the right places. Another one is um, lifestyle creep. We get pay rises and it's important to get that money to work for us before we get used to spending it. Because if we're not used to having it, then we won't spend it. We'll be able to do clever things with it.
0: Like the, the minimize the borrowing thing. I, I mean, I suppose the culture we live in now is for like instant gratification and it's just borrow it to pay for the holiday. Really, when we don't look to the future, we don't see how long it's going to take us to pay off. So, um, I I think there's there's certainly a culture of spend now and think about it later, which is something uh, that we all need definitely. to address. Um, and the spending patterns, yeah, I mean, if you don't know what you're spending money on, and you know, we've done this in a previous podcast where we talked about cash flow. It's this constantly looking at your bank statement to see where I am spending money and if there's any savings I can make. So, they're um, really good. So there's lots of food for thought there, Neve, and some really interesting advice. You talked about clearing debt and how we can hang over us and perhaps, you know, we feel really negative about having, you know, this financial debt hanging over us and managing our finances. But if somebody does find themselves in debt, do you have any tips on how they can get out of it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, you know, let's let's be practical about it. You you know, we did take out that loan to buy that holiday or that car. And we did enjoy it at the time and it's hanging over us. And, I think there is a tendency to stick our head in the sand that we just don't want to deal with it and we don't want to face it and we're nervous about it and it brings on maybe feelings of anxiety. But the thing is to, it's actually really empowering once you start getting on top of things. So you see a lot of of people doing great things. You know, they just chip away, you know, an extra 50 euros here off a debt, an extra, you know, really adds up. It just compounds and, and, you know, makes people debt free. So the first thing to do, is just go easy on yourself, you know, give yourself a break. Then think about coming up with a determined plan to escalate the debt down. So, you know, every, every person's situation is, of course, unique. But, you know, start by writing it down. You won't like looking at it. It might increase that feeling of anxiety. But then to set out an amount, say a regular amount every month, that you can reduce off the most expensive debt. If you have a credit card, you know, we've talked about this in podcasts previously as well, you know, try and see if you can structure it into a personal loan and cut up that card. Are there any cash flow savings that you can make? So say, for example, I switch my TV provider and I save 20 euros a month from switching my TV provider. Roll that up, stick that straight into that loan. So every month, put that extra 20 quid into the loan to clear it. And You've made the saving, so make that saving work by clearing down the debt. Feeling when you get there of achieving that clear debt, it's empowering. It's rewarding. It's a it's a great learning lesson because you probably won't take out a debt to go on holidays again. But don't be try not to be scared of it. You know, do do face it head on.
0: So I think we've we've covered a lot here today, uh, Neve. Um, so have you any final comments? I think that the thing today is that it was all
1: quite general, Gina. You know, everybody is unique. If anybody is looking for specific financial advice, whether it's clearing debt, whether building up emergency, whatever it is specific to them that they want a bit of help with, you know, it's great to talk to people there's financial coaches out there, get financial advice from a qualified financial advisor or a certified financial planner, but certainly take professional regulated advice before you make any financial decisions. Don't take advice based on what somebody said to you when you were out last night, but don't be afraid. It's empowering.
0: Yep, absolutely. No, totally agree. And um, and I think the the key for today's financial education is to start young and spend less than you earn. <laughs> I think I think is the good one. If um, we could tell our younger selves that,
1: Gina, we'd all be perfect. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. So thank you for listening to the Back to Work Connect podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, and with me today we were joined by Neve Burka, founder and CEO of Plan. If you like the Back to Work Connect podcast, you can find us at backtoworkconnect.ie or on Google Play. Thank you to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland, the Begin Together Fund and the Community Foundation of Ireland.